Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Wednesday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Tuesday. Uh, the, uh, the homeless shelter and the bus stop, that's not happening now. So Kate's going to be gutted about that. Uh, we're evicting cats for some reason. Uh, we've got wet wipe consternation, and then which leads on to rubbish bin, really bin consternation. Oh, it was a massive news day yesterday. No wonder uh, Tim Beveridge was trying to get people racked up about uh, revamping drug laws. I'm an ex-home bake cook in a very long-term recovery the last 30 years. Um, oh. Yeah. So, and I did um, prison time. Um, I was charged for uh, manufacturing morphine for my own use. And even back then as a young woman, I just, I couldn't understand why I was in jail because to me it felt like I was the victim of my own behaviour. But um, it also did, it did save my my life, but I never thought I'd get to a stage where I actually agree with you, and I think that we have to stop treating our addicts as criminals and start providing them with, you know, world-class treatment options, and we don't do that here. Well, that's been my point, I, I, and I have I have sat on the other side of the argument, uh, the conservative side, where we say you know basically crucifixion's too good for the lockaway, and I've 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 had that view for a while, and it's only through conversations during the the um, the usual show that I do on overnights uh, that I had some very good calls about well what is it really achieving. And trying to and people who are taking drugs themselves, they're not really criminals. They're just making poor choices, as you say. And if, absolutely. If, and if if as part of once you my argument is like, well, if people are going to keep taking it, they're going to do it underground. They're not going to be getting advice on what they're taking, how bad it's for them. Why don't we say, okay, well, if you need to, we can supply this to, for you. But at the same time, we're going to give you the support you need to get off this stuff. Yeah, so obviously, so Tim Beveridge has been standing in for Leighton Smith for a few days. Um, you can't go on Leighton's show and suggest that you legalise drugs and give people drugs to help them get off them. And that's just crazy talk. So Leighton's going to be back today. We've knocked that on the head. Uh, now, homeless people are getting to sleep in the bus shelter. That's not happening now. Kate's gutted. The idea behind this project, though, was sound. Keeping homeless people dry and warm through the harshest winter months. The Salvation Army, in conjunction with Auckland Transport, ran this scheme. And it relied on volunteers, and that proved tricky too. After the initial flurry of people wanting to help, it became harder to find those willing to give up their time. A case of volunteer fatigue, perhaps? About 10 people a night were sleeping at the bus shelter and it was trouble-free, bar one incident of someone smoking in the toilets and getting abusive when they were asked not to. So what were the positives? Well, the people of South Auckland responded positively in general, offering up their support. Other community organisations, such as churches, began opening up their own doors, so a domino effect of kindness. But it would seem when it comes to managing the country's homeless, it's not possible to rely on a bottomless pit of goodwill from other people. It's pleasing this government is focused on better outcomes for our homeless. It's a shame community responses can't garner more widespread and sustainable support, but it shouldn't really fall on the shoulders of a handful of do-gooders. And it shouldn't just be the Salvation Army's problem. Those people already do amazing work. What we need are some tangible solutions like more emergency housing, or at least enough to cope so that people don't get turned away, 
especially in the cold grip of winter. Mind you, it's not surprising we don't know where to put the homeless people. We don't know where to put the cats either. Apparently they're moving a whole lot of cats from... I don't know what's happening. At the moment, what are you currently doing to control the cats? Um, so it's just a proposal at the moment, um, and it's a pro- proposal around domestic cat ownership, so it's not around control. Um, so what we're proposing is that cat owners in that community um, would get their cats neutered and they'd get them microchipped. Um, and then if those rules um, did come into place, we would have a sunset clause that gave them six months to register those cats with Environment Southland. Right, but going forward, you would actually want a complete ban in time, right? So going forward, yeah, that sunset clause would mean that any cat that wasn't registered after that six-month date, um, they wouldn't be able to have a new cat. So um, the cats that were registered would be able to live out their natural life, um, but when it came to the time when they died, you wouldn't be able to replace them, or if you moved into the area after that six-month, that sunset time, you wouldn't be able to bring a cat with you. How many people live in this area? Um, it's not a very big community. I don't have the exact figure in front of me, though. But are we talking dozens or hundreds? Um, I think there's a hundred or so. Okay. And see, I just wonder how you would stop the randoms from, you know, the roamers, perhaps from down the road in Bluff, paying a visit and deciding to stay put. How do you stop those those random roaming cats? Oh, the cats. So that would then be feral cats, and that would be um, that would be a form of control. So this isn't, what we're proposing today isn't around dealing with those, it's around dealing with domestic cats in the community. Mm, Okay, so no cats if you live in Omani. I feel like there's going to be a mass migration from Omani now uh, as a result of that. People get very attached to their cats. If they can't have them, they'll just move to somewhere where they can have them. A sort of a cat safe haven, I think. Uh, (laughs) Interesting. and I called it Omani like three times, and it's actually Omoe. Omoe? Omoe. Omoe. Let's move on uh, to uh, wet wipes causing issues. Uh, Pilot Bay in Tauranga is contaminated at the moment because there was an overflow because a pipe that went out to it got blocked up with uh, wet wipes. Tauranga's Mayor Greg Brownless says it is such a pity this has happened. A lot of people flush these so called flushable baby wipes down, and it's a disaster as far as I'm concerned. He wants people to be careful what they flush down the toilet because inevitably the consequences are something like this will happen. He says there's a couple of things. First, a look at the engineering. But the second thing is to tell people to be careful what they flush in toilets and to avoid flushable baby wipes. I want to go further than that. I hate the things. Wet wipes, go. We'd be quite happy if they weren't there. Stephen, are you with me or against me? I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, to be honest. How are you? What's your what's your uh, observations about the wet white scenario and the and the look, toilet flushing scenario? It's it's intertwined. It's heavily intertwined. Hey, look, so my name's Stephen. I'm a property manager on the North Shore. So as you can imagine, I deal with a few blockages here and there throughout my time. And um, the thing about flushable wipes, whether it being sanitary items for women or wet wipes or what have you, it's it's actually quite deceiving to be honest because. Flushable, all that actually means, and you can look this up yourself from consumer websites, mm. it, just, it just goes down the U-bend of the toilet. It just needs to be able to pass the U-bend of the toilet. What it doesn't do and what it doesn't confirm is that it breaks down, you know, and naturally just dissipates from the sewer system. So over time, that can clog up and cause some real damage and headaches to the sewer system.
Mm. I think we just don't want to think about what happens when we wash things away. Why can't it be like that? It seemed to, it used to be like that, and yet now, and it's just at my house actually. I had a flood the other day. Uh, my new house, and I was at the gym, and my smartwatch pinged off a desperate texts. But washing machine flooded. Come home now, and that involved all kinds of plumbers and drain ninjas. And they said it was eggshells, and I've always put eggshells down the waste disposal. Apparently, they set like concrete, mate. So you can't even wash eggshells down there. You can't just water. Just just put the water down there. But then you can't put things in the rubbish either. Or your rubbish is full. Is it all right to use somebody else's bin? It's all so complicated. My favourite type of all time is the rubbish bin. Is it theft? Because I tell you what, you can't have a skip bin anymore because everyone just felt the skip bins are pretty much a thing of the past now. Because people fill them up so quickly. But a wheelie bin. What do you reckon about a wheelie bin? I mean, they're not going to know, your neighbours, but why not put what you... As long as it's not something that's going to affect the whole spirit of their bin, you know what I'm saying? Like if you've been powering and it's full of fish guts, you probably wouldn't put them in the bin because there would be a residual st- a residual stench. But as far as, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to say sometimes. I think you can't go sneaking around putting stuff in other people's bins. If you're sneaking around, you know that it's not the right thing to do. That's how you know. If you are looking left and right hoping somebody doesn't see what you're doing, you're probably not doing the right thing. Isn't that how it works? I don't know. I am BNZB. It's just something to think about until we see you again tomorrow with more News Talk ZB. I'll see you then.